0: Well, Joe Biden and Treasury Secretary Yellen are about to give the long-awaited talk in Philadelphia, outlining what is now expected to be a $2.25 trillion infrastructure spending plan, and we will give you some idea as well of how all that's going to be paid for with a rising corporate taxes. That really is the big news today, but if you want more, OPEC Plus, are meeting today to discuss oil supplies from May. We'll look at China's rising PMIs and ask will that continue in that direction if Europe continues to slow down with more lockdowns emerging, and they Are still going very slow on giving people the jam. And Aussie building approvals punching the lights out yesterday. It's Thursday, the 1st of April 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, it is the 1st of April. We won't be telling any April fools today, uh, so you can believe everything we say, unless we get something wrong, in which case that was deliberate. Uh, April fool to you. Uh, but we have seen, honestly, a quarter percent fall in the Bloomberg Dollar Spot Index, the uh, the BBDXY. Uh, there was a similar shift up in the euro and the Aussie, but that seems to have disappeared now. The Aussie is up only marginally. The pound, though, up 0.3%. The US dollar is up 0.3% on the Japanese yen as well, even though the dollar is falling. 10-year treasury yields up four basis points uh, to 1.74%, a 14-month high. Half of that rise has been in the last hour or so. We've got a two basis point rise in the UK uh, bond yields, but bond prices up and therefore yields falling a little across most of the rest of Europe, but no big moves there. And Aussie 10 years are at 1.78%. Shares are up two in the US, quite a lot actually, 2% for the Nasdaq, 0.8% for the S&P, and a small move up for the Dow. Tesla is one of the big winners. It's up 4% but still a way off its uh, January peak, of course. And shares largely down in Europe. There's a 0.9% fall in the FTSE 100. Deliveroo listed there today. That was a disaster. It floated at the bottom of their expected range and finished the day 20% down. Uh, It actually was 30% down uh, early on. So, uh, finishing 20% down, it basically lost £1.5 billion in a day. And oil slipping again, down over 0.9% for Brent crude, well below $64 now, and a 2% fall for WTI. Uh, Now, it may be the first day in uh, April in Oz, but of course much of the rest of the world is still finishing off the end of the first quarter. Tapa Strickland is here, NAB's director Economics for Markets in Sydney. So these are, we've been seeing uh, highs for stocks in the United States. Not for the Nasdaq, but it's not far off it, but the Dow is the highest it's ever been. The S&P 500 is not far off 4,000. It touched its high as well today. So there's a lot of positive sentiment out there. So how much of this is down to us being a couple of hours away from Joe Biden giving the details of his Infrastructure plants in Philadelphia.
1: Good morning, Phil. Yes, those broader thematics of uh, the US uh, undertaking aggressive fiscal stimulus and all focus is really on the Biden infrastructure package. And the White House has given a fair amount of detail on that overnight and broadly matching up with expectations. So uh, we already knew that the administration was aiming for a total package size of between three to four. Trillion, and that was well flagged in a number of media articles. Uh, what's come out from the White House is they're going to announce a two-trillion-dollar infrastructure proposal, and then a the second plan focused on childcare, healthcare, and education uh, will be released in April, and that would be expected to cost more than one trillion. So, all, all up, the total infrastructure package uh, coming from the White House will be in excess of three trillion. Uh, in terms of what the market 's focus is is really about what are they going to be spending the uh, two trillion in terms of the physical infrastructure and uh, exactly how they 're going to fund that and on the funding side uh, you 'd have to say um, probably a little bit more. Uh, optimistic in terms of the way the uh, Democrats are thinking about funding the infrastructure package. So they're thinking about lifting the corporate tax rate to uh, 28% from twenty-seven uh, from 21%. And notably, that would be still um, below where the corporate tax rate was uh, prior to the election of Trump. So it does seem like a, a lower US corporate tax rate um, mm. over the past four years will be maintained in, in some way.
0: But also companies that are operating overseas as well. So they're going to pay more tax if they've got overseas operations.
1: Uh, yes. Yes. The, yes, that's right as well. Uh, and then in terms of uh, spending, a lot of it is going to be on uh, transport infrastructure and uh, in terms of helping to boost the manufacturing and the building industry. So, it does look like a quite a comprehensive uh, package there. But importantly, that package is going to be undertaken over an eight-year period. So, in terms of uh, the exact sh- sh- sugar rush, in terms of uh, when spending hits the ground, it could be
0: more – gradual than what maybe markets were, right. were thinking. So quite big moves today, uh, particularly in shares, given that we knew, we know this is coming. I mean, there can't be any more room to move. We can't have another great day tomorrow on the basis of what's been said because this has been sold so many times now. There's been so much enthusiasm for this for so many days. I never underestimate the market's uh, ability to <laughs> discount the same
1: information was, yeah. um, a number of times. <laughs> but I think the important thing to note here is the broader thematic that uh, – The three things going on in the US economy at the moment. So, one, uh, Biden is unleashing a whole heap of fiscal stimulus. Uh, The second one is the Fed is pledging to keep rates low for an extended period until they see inflation pick up and are willing to tolerate inflation overshooting. Uh, And then the third one is the virus and the vaccine track in the US uh, remain relatively positive. I was just looking at the CDC numbers and they're showing that 74% of those aged over 65 years have now received one vaccine dose and 50.8% of those aged over 65 years have received their full two doses. So you would have to say that that reopening narrative within the US will continue and you're likely to see some pretty strong data prints over the next couple of months as the US economy bounces back.
0: Well, we were hoping we might see it in employment numbers, didn't we, weren't we, that you know the ADP employment numbers might actually, because of that, might actually be a, a strong upward surprise, upside surprise. But it wasn't, in fact, anything a little weaker than anticipated. Uh, so we're still uh, a little way off uh, Bostick's million a month that we were talking about yesterday morning. Yes,
1: yeah, so, but you'd have to say not, not too far off. So um, ADP payrolls did, did disappoint slightly. So they were up 517,000 against 550,000 expected. Uh, but as that progressive reopening of the US economy occurs, then you'd expect uh, those numbers to increase uh, quite substantially from here. There's some notion as well, maybe government payrolls were a little bit stronger. uh, And so, we'll have to wait until Friday's uh, non-farm payrolls just to see. Uh, But just highlighting how economic activity is bouncing back, the Chicago PMI, which is a measure of manufacturing activity, uh, jumped to 66.3 from 59.5. And that was well above the consensus there and is at its highest level since uh, July 2018. And We've been talking about how the Fed is uh, pledging to keep rates low for quite some time. Um, within the Chicago PMI, the prices series uh, is continuing to rise and the prices paid series is now at its highest level since August 2018. So that thematic lift in inflation pricing in the US is is continuing and when you look at uh, movements in bond yields overnight, uh, the US 10-year implied inflation break even is up around 3 basis points to 2.38%, which is its highest level in almost 8 years. Yeah,
0: well there has been a bit of bond action hasn't there in the last couple of hours uh, particularly. But uh, look, let's look at, at at home. Those residential building approvals for Australia yesterday surprised everyone I think, almost 22% up month on month in February so is this the last throes of home builder? Is this is this temporary? Is it going to come crashing down again, or is it people with uh, with with money to you know to burn? Sorry, money to invest, I should say. <laughs> that, uh,
1: well, I that guess it on, little... on housing of
0: <laughs> Not making any comment about the housing market. Uh, but, you know, is it, which one is it? Is it you know people are piling in, or is it just a short term thing because of home builder?
1: I think a lot of it is to do with the government stimulus. So when you look at when home builder was announced back in June and where detached dwelling approvals are at the moment, I think uh, they're up now around 70%. Um so that would suggest a lot of bring forward um and maybe mm. some filling in of, of pent up demand as well. So you'd expect as that scheme starts to end and it did end yesterday, uh, that you may see uh, dwelling approvals actually fall quite sharply back more towards the levels they were prior to the pandemic and perhaps even um, uh, below that um, as uh, some of that pull forward in demand uh, comes out. Uh, importantly though for activity levels um, there are a number of stories from a number of high profile builders in Australia who've said uh, they have levels of activity uh, worth about threes of threes of activity uh, to do within one to one to two years. So even though mm. it's likely you'll see a reversal in some of the building approvals, the actual activity levels are likely to be sustained at quite high levels for quite some time, just given the backlog.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, the other numbers we saw yesterday, credit growth. I mean, it's, clearly Aussies aren't keen to, to borrow too much more right now. Uh, there's been very little uh, growth in credit in February. What there was, was was for housing. Business credit is flatlining. But there is also that cash busher, uh, buffer, isn't there, that people might be able to draw on and start spending. But we, we just don't know whether they are going to touch that. I mean, are they going to be cautious and hang on to it, or is it going to be something that's going to to be pushed out into the economy not just into housing and and help with the growth in the, the the remainder of the year
1: Uh, Indeed, and I think uh, households over the pandemic have saved around $125 billion worth of cash that's sitting on the major banks in Australia. And uh, a lot of uncertainty there on whether households will draw down on those cash buffers or whether they will maintain them. Um, They're they're quite sizable. So when you compare that to household sector income for a whole year, it's worth about 10% of household income. So uh, it does suggest that those buffers are quite, quite sizable.
0: Yeah, but people will want a bigger buffer, won't they? So they might not uh, dig into it fully. Look, we uh, the PMI for China. Onwards and upwards, it seems. They do have the advantage, of course, that most of the world hasn't fully kicked back into work yet. So, uh, you know, they've got a bit of a competitive edge. But similarly... Um, you know, that we could also uh, see, you know, if demand, for example, from Europe slows, then China's exports could slow as well. So I wonder whether they're going to hang on to this.
1: Yeah, so the uh, uncertainty around the China PMIs really came from the China Lunar New Year uh, earlier in the year, and that did create a few un- unexpectedly soft reads. Uh, and it was encouraging to see uh, the Chinese PMIs, both the manufacturing and the non manufacturing sector, rebound quite strongly. So it does suggest overall manufacturing uh, conditions remain fairly strong. And then, in terms of uh, the recent lockdown in the, in uh, France and the recent extension for that for for four weeks, it probably yeah. has the ability to actually extend a little bit of the strength in the Chinese manufacturing sector, because uh, uh, governments right around the world are still continuing to support businesses and and households through those lockdown periods, uh, and at the same time, those lockdowns do hamper production in the in those countries. So, if if anything, in
0: Perversely, it could actually support the Chinese manufacturing sector for the next uh, couple of months. And we've got a lot, a lot of Aussie data out today, or data: uh, job vacancies, house prices, housing loans, uh, retail sales, the trade balance. Uh, lots of that. Uh, job vacancies are going to be interesting, aren't they? Uh, how many of those jobs are going to replace those lost through the Job Keeper allowance finishing this week?
1: Yeah, so it's a very big day for Australian data, but um, all those data pieces are unlikely to be market moving, but we'll give a scene setting kind of uh, backdrop and... Job vacancies there probably the most important one, and as you're saying, uh, gives a measure of labour demand prior to the end of JobKeeper. Given the job vacancies figures are for Q1, and JobKeeper finished on the 28th of uh, March. What we do know is from job ads uh, that job ads are at the highest level since uh, June 2019. So it does suggest there's extensive labour demand uh, in the Australian economy that should be able to soak up any of those people who have been displaced due to the end of JobKeeper. Mm. I think the most acute impacts in terms of JobKeeper is really going to be in those kind of regional areas where labour mobility isn't as great and maybe isn't able to move to those areas where there are um, opportunities for employment. Uh, in terms of... Um, yeah, that's good. Um, house prices, and we already mentioned it in terms of uh, the building approvals, uh, going absolutely gangbusters in Australia at the moment. And the AFR notes the Five Capital Cities Index is up uh, 2.8% month-to-month in March, which if you annualize that, annualizes out to 33% growth. Um, so it does suggest um, the housing market is raging hot. But uh, importantly, uh, it doesn't seem like the regulators at the moment are willing to s- step in and tighten uh, macroprudential regulations. Um, they view mm. their role as not to um, manage um, house prices or, or housing affordability. It's more about risks uh, around uh, credit. And with credit growth uh, being so subdued, as we we're discussing, um, they're, they're signaling no imminent tightening in macroprudential regulations oh, in Australia. It,
0: yeah. All right. Well, look, OPEC plus are meeting today as well uh, to look at their production levels for May. We get the uh, Keijing PMI uh, due out of China for China today. Uh, and uh, then, of course, uh, on t- tomorrow, Good Friday, we've got the non-farm payrolls as well. That That's out. Uh, so it could be a volatile Thursday, couldn't it, uh, ahead of the, the long weekend? Because, of course, you know, we've got to uh, absorb whatever Joe Biden says. Even though we know, as you say, even though we know what he's going to say, uh, the market can still react to it.
1: Uh, yes, yes, definitely. I, I think the market will also probably be fairly cautious um, heading into payrolls and I'd uh Generally are. And just worth noting, I think the New York Stock Exchange and a number of other equity markets are closed for the Good Friday um, um, holiday. But I think the bond market uh, and futures are are open. So you're likely to see some market
0: reaction to uh, the payrolls numbers. Yeah. All right. Great. Excellent. All right. Well, have a good long weekend as well. Uh, We'll we'll talk to you next week. Tapas. Great. Uh, Thanks, Phil. And that's it. We are done here till Tuesday morning. Don't miss us too much. Have a great long weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday.